Alrighty, everyone. Art Burns here on the Showing Up to Your Life podcast on YouTube, which needs a uh, a proper introduction, and that will be forthcoming soon, I hope. But uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Glad to have you join me today. Um, or I don't know that you're listening to this or watching this today necessarily, but glad to be sharing some thoughts with you. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> well, I wanted to um, I wanted to spend a little time today talking about some of this sort of um, some of the sort of impacts and, and, and the, well, specifically the way that mindfulness helps us to, to, to create, to, to make better decisions, really, you know, it's a bit, not better, you know, when I say better, that has this, you know, sort of uh, connotation of value. And that's not what we're talking about in terms of like good or bad kind of thing, right? It's still a non-judging thing. But there are decisions that we make that can be either more or less beneficial to us, right? And so so I want to talk about that a little bit today because tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow I'm going to make the big announcement about this self-compassion um, course. And I have to tell you, folks, I am so excited about this. Now, I have done a lot of courses in the past, and I always feel very excited about them. But this one, I'm just so pumped, and I'm so, so pumped about it. And I'm offering it... I'm going against all the advice um, of all my marketing coaches and all that stuff. I've, I've found that the more I, I go against their advice, the more successful I seem to be. You know, maybe not financially successful, but but I feel more success, right? I feel more sort of fulfillment and, and I, I feel more, um, you know, connection and more sort of results on a sort of holistic level. Let's put it that way, okay? So so I'm offering this at a, at a very inexpensive uh, price so that I can get a lot of people in here because the the thing is that self-compassion is it really is so so important for all I, I mean there's just so many ways in which self-compassion is it, it's like one of my clients recently told me it's like a superpower and and I totally agree with that now and and it can be applied it's like it's it, it applies to every aspect, every facet of our lives, right? So so in the next like seven days or so or six days, you know, leading up to the self-compassion practice, you better believe that I'm going to have plenty to say, plenty of podcasts that we're going to do uh, and YouTube videos uh, based on on the concepts and the benefits and, and everything to do with self-compassion. So for today, <laughs> let's talk about some good old-fashioned mindfulness. <laughs> Um, before I do that, though, real quick, um, so I got, uh, you know, some of you may or may not have noticed, but I changed the lighting here a little bit. Actually, I just turned it a little because you could see that, like, yeah, there's a lot of, like, different sort of lighting uh, issues that come up with these umbrella lights that I have. Um they're not really pro grade or anything. They were like 30 bucks on Amazon like two years ago, maybe actually like three and a half, four years ago now. And it's amazing that they're still standing and still working. Um, but but here's the thing. I changed the recently how I set them up so it's a little less bright. And it was mostly just a comfort thing for myself because I found that, you know, having these lights just kind of drill into my eyeballs really became very uncomfortable. Um, and so, and not just doing these these uh, videos, but this is also my setup when I do my calls with clients. You know, I'm in the same exact spot. So, uh, so I spend a lot of time every day with these lights just bearing down on me. And I just realized, well, hold on a second. I can just turn the umbrellas around and it softens it up so much. And so somebody, uh, somebody commented or emailed me. I don't, know if it, I don't remember if it was a YouTube comment or, uh, or sent me an email 
thank you, by the way, whoever you are, not whoever you are, I know who you are, you know who you are, but I'm not going to, you know, call you out in front of all 300 people who are watching this video right now. Um, so, but, but I want to tell you all, that if there's anything that I'm doing here that that you feel could be uh, could be make you more comfortable, because the email that I got was uh, the person said thank you for changing the lighting. It really helps for those of us who have you know issues with glare, and it never even occurred to me, right? And that's kind of part of what mindfulness is all about, and that's kind of what I mean by the decision making, right? So I want you to be free to 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 speak up on that. Right? Like we're we're friends here, right? Like there's no judgment for me. There's no hassle for me. Like if somebody says, Hey, I wish the lights were, you know, more red, you know, I'll try to figure that out. I mean, to the extent that I'm able to do it without spending a ton of money and, and going through a lot of uh, you know, time that I don't have, you know, money and time are, are pretty scarce in my life these days. Um but as long as it's not too expensive on either of those uh, levels, I am happy to accommodate whatever I can do to make you all enjoy these videos and, and podcasts more, okay? So so please, please, please let me know if there's anything that's like, you know, if you don't like the way the guitar looks over there, I'll move the guitar, you know? I mean, even my grandfather's painting, I mean, I can't imagine anybody's going to be offended by any of that stuff. But I'll, you know, let 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 me know what it what it would require to make this a more comfortable experience for you, okay? Because I do the best the best I can to make it comfortable for me, you know. So why shouldn't it be comfortable for you too? So, and speaking of which, I, I have some kind of uh, little uh, sinus congestion going today. I think it's mostly because uh, my daughter insisted we turn on the air conditioner last night because she was a little warm in her room, but she refuses to open her window because of noise outside. And so, um, so I think I just got a little tickle in my uh, throat and a little stuffy nose here. Uh, so pardon me, uh, you know, and I might look tired and that's just cause I didn't sleep that much last night, but trust me, everything is okay. Um, all right. So, so let's talk about, let's talk about, um, you know, again, some, some kind of basics on mindfulness, right? Because now, now here's the thing, right? Everybody comes to this work for a reason, right? Now, that reason could be purely just to be more in touch with your spirituality, you know, and in that case, that's what a lot of people are drawn towards Buddhism and, and even Taoism, I guess, to a certain degree. Um, so the Zen Buddhism is a very popular you know, kind of uh, thing for that, you know, people seeking some spiritual um, understanding and some, some spiritual connection to others, right? That is often the reason why people come into uh, mindfulness, especially when we talk about, obviously, the spiritual level of mindfulness, which would be, you know, the Buddhism or the even Taoism, again, to a lesser degree, but Zen Buddhism versus, you know, Buddhism, all that, you know, Um but but the thing is that, that for this sort of more scientific end of mindfulness, and this does not exclude the Buddhist end of it, right, or the spirituality end of it, but I think for the more, um, you know, especially as it applies to the more scientific end, like what I kind of uh, talk about here and what people like uh, John Kabat-Zinn talk about, right, who's the mindfulness-based stress reduction doctor, uh, Dr. Kristen Neff and her uh, her partner, Michael Germer, I think I got his name right that time, uh, where they talk about self-compassion. You know, these things are all within the context of and within sort of under the umbrella of mindfulness, right, 
but they're more sort of sciencey kind of approaches, right? Medical science based on research, based on all that, right? Um, and so, um, <clears throat> sorry, I just got distracted for a second. Um, and, and so, so when we talk about the more scientific end of mindfulness, right? And self-compassion and compassion and all the different things that, that I talk about here, right? You know, I think most people come to these this work, right, on, again, not so much the spiritual end, but more like the science-y, science psychology kind of end. You know, most people come to this work because there's something that's, I, I hesitate to use the word wrong, but there's something bothering them about their moment-to-moment -moment existence, right? Now, my my friend and, and colleague uh, in my other podcast, the Learning to Surf podcast, Adam Asdell, uh, he came to this work from, uh, from and of course, we talk about this on the podcast, so I'm not outing him in any way. I would never do that, obviously. Um, but, but he came to this work, you know, to, and the reason I bring him up is because maybe some of you have heard those podcasts, but uh, but he came to this work uh, because of of high levels of anxiety that he was experiencing. Right for me, I came to this work because of just general stress. Right that. that Little did I know at the time, it came from uh, PTSD, actually CPTSD, right? Uh, complex post-traumatic stress disorder, right? Um, which, of course, includes a lot of anxiety, depression, um, you know, emotional reactivity, uh, dysregulation, all that kind of stuff, right? That was really bothering in my, me in my life, right? The ability to, you know, to be okay and not to be emotionally reactive and dysregulated you know, was, was causing me issues in my life, right? And that's the thing, right? It was preventing me from living the life that I believed that I wanted to or, or was entitled to or even was supposed to be living, right? Like I, I envision myself as, for instance, a, 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 a caring and patient and compassionate parent, right? But I was not able to be those things because of the stress that was happening in my body, right? And which led to the dysregulation and the anxiety and the depression and all that stuff, right? And and and, and sure, to, to be sure, right, sometimes mindfulness alone is not necessarily enough, right? Like I've been in, in various forms of, of therapy. My thing is not so much a traditional therapist, but more like, um, you know, sort of um, uh, trauma-informed programs, if you will, right? That's just the way it's worked out for me. It's not that I value one or the other or refuse to do one or the other, just the way it's worked out, right? But but again, it's, you know, yes, my mindfulness practice would probably get me to that same place, but but going through therapy sometimes is a very helpful you know, sort of aspect or, or sort of a supplement to the practice, or, or maybe this practice is a supplement to the therapy. And that is something that I have found extraordinarily, you know, powerful, right? Is that anybody who I've ever worked with as a client, the, the ones, or let me say, let me rephrase that, those people I've worked with as a teacher or coach, you know, who are also in therapy, well, those people get the, the most out of this. There, there's no question about that. Like those are the people that I see changing like, like, a, like a caterpillar into a butterfly. Like those, I mean, that is some deep, deep changes. Um, and that's the thing, right? Like this, this work, what it does is it sets us up to heal and it sets us up to understand what needs to be healed, right? And so the healing itself, now that can be done on your own, 
certainly, and I've done a lot of that on my own for sure, right? But again, sometimes, you know, especially when dealing with like childhood trauma and stuff, sometimes a professional helper, you know, in the form of a psychologist or counselor or coach or or what have you, is oftentimes a very, very helpful thing to, again, sort of an adjunct sort of, um, uh, you know, uh, benefit, right, or adjunct um, uh, process that can really be helpful and beneficial. Um, and so, so that's all to say that, that really ultimately what we're trying to do is when, when we're not trying to do, but when we practice mindfulness, what, what arises, right, and this is not just me saying this, this is, you know, all the, many of these books are talking about the same thing, right? That the idea of mindfulness practices, right, allow us to be present on such a level with our emotions, with our, the tendencies of our mind, right? Like, in other words, seeing like, okay, how did I just wind up thinking about that bike mechanic that I, that treated me badly three years ago? Why did that just pop into my mind, Right. Instead of just flowing with it and be like, oh, I hate that guy, right? You you can question like, wait, why am I thinking about this guy? And then you think, oh, I got on my bike, I heard that noise, and that was the noise that the guy couldn't fix three years. There it is, right? It has nothing to do with that guy, right? Like he's not in my life and I don't need to pay him any kind of homage of, of any sort, Right, like I can if I if I feel compassion towards him, that's my choice, right? But but I don't need to let him, you know, kind of like they say, um, you know, live in my head rent free, right? Like I don't need to do that. I can instead let that go, but I can only let it go when I see it, right? If I'm wrapped up in it and that thought is just you know part of my identification and 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 getting caught up in the in the entanglement and and that that sort of flow of that thought, well then I can't ask that question. I can't create that separation. I just literally can't do it. It's just, it's like physics. Like you just physically can't do it at that point. So instead, it's about seeing the things that we're going through, seeing our emotions, seeing our, our thoughts, seeing our behaviors as sort of with, or not as, but with a sort of third party or third person detachment, if you will. That's the best way that I can describe it. And it's just, it's just so powerful. Like I remember when I broke my collarbone a couple of years ago uh, out here in Denver and like Normally, I was the kind of person who, I mean, I was the worst patient. Like, I remember once I was in the hospital after being stabbed and, and beaten, right? Like, I, I refused to sign the paperwork because I was such a demanding patient. Like, that's the level of, at which it was. But here I was at the Denver Health Hospital here with a broken collarbone, and I was the most patient Per, patient, patient they've ever seen. Like even, like the lady forgot to bring me my, you know, she offered me like a, a, you know, ibuprofen or something. She forgot to bring it to me. And I wasn't even upset. Like it was, and the reason for that is because I was watching myself go through it almost as though I was watching someone else go through this experience. And that is really powerful. And so the way to get to that place is again to see 
the activity of our mind, our emotions, our physical sensations, and our thoughts to see that with that sort of detachment, right? And there's a great practice that I want to share with you that you can use to do this, okay? It's not really meditation. It's, it's just a very simple mindfulness practice. So take, take five minutes or 15 minutes if you like. Take an hour if, you, if you're really into it, right? But take whatever period of time and set a timer. And for that period of time, while that timer is ticking down, sort of narrate what you're going through and, 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 but, but like noting it, right? So, so in other words, and I do this myself, I, you know, all the practices that I ever share with you, I've done, you know, either in the past or I always, I always try to refresh it for a week or two before I share it with you. Um, and so I've been doing this one and it's like, it's kind of like, you know, like, oh, I'm noticing my lip balm on my desk. I'm unscrewing the lip balm or popping the cap off. I'm twisting it. I'm watching it. I'm putting it on my lips now. I'm feeling good. I'm putting the cap back on. I'm placing the lip balm back on my desk. Now I'm paying attention again to my my uh, podcast and YouTube channel. Um, I'm noticing that the the microphone seems a little bit off center, so I'm going to try to move that a little bit. Uh, I'm noticing the candle in the screen. I'm noticing the plant. I'm noticing the painting. <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> I'm noticing the painting. I'm noticing the guitar. I'm smiling, I'm feeling happy, right? Do that. Again, even for just a few minutes at a time, it's going to help to cultivate that detachment. And, and from there, you get into a little bit of meditation and you're, you're on your way to all of the benefits that I talk about here, right? And of course, if you like some help, I can help you. All right, everybody, so that's it for this segment. I'm gonna... Turn it off real quick and start the next one. I'll see you in a minute. Welcome back. Here we are, segment number two today. And so what I want to talk about in this segment is kind of a follow-up from the last segment, right? In the last segment, I talked about how, you know, that sort of third-person detachment that we can get, right, in our moment-to-moment experience, right? It's about, like, you know, seeing us go through our lives from from a little bit of a distance, right? And this, of course, opens us up to all kinds of concepts. You know, later on, once you get comfortable with this, you know, sort of feeling of doing this, you know, you're you're going to ultimately, um, you're going to ultimately start to see that, you know, that that there's, you know, when you're operating kind of from your ego self versus your authentic self. Right. And that, because that's really the separation that we're talking about. Right. Like our ego is, you know, it's dependent on, you know, praise and approval. And, you know, depending on, of course, this is a a widely ranging kind of thing. Right. No two people are alike. Right. But, but egos can require, you know, um, you know, outside validation and, and praise and all this kind of stuff, or else we start feeling, you know, maybe we start getting a little depressed and things like this, right? And so, of course, it's a big, big, long conversation. That's not what this this segment is about. We can talk about this in another time, right? But that's one of the things that, that starts to happen as we get this detachment that I was talking about in the last segment, right? We start to notice when, you know, and for me, it's been more about the um, the the trauma response and trauma strategy, right, rather than 
the authentic place, right? So in other words, I can I recognize when I'm operating from my trauma, right? Which means that I'm act, act um, 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 <laughs> I'm operating from this place of you know, again, reactivity and, 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 you know, really a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, a lot of, you know, but, but again, there's a strategy that's been formed based on all of that that I've gone through. And that's my go-to when I get into those places of my trauma being triggered. Right. And so, and so that's the, you know, that's the kind of thing that, that we start to see. Like I start to see like, oh, what I'm thinking right now, what I'm doing right now, the way I just talked to that person, the way I just did that thing, it's coming from my trauma. It's not coming from who I really am, right? And so this, this sort of separation between our behavior and our essence is something that starts to unfold for us as we start to do this practice, like the practice I mentioned uh, in the last segment. And that's, again, just a very simple version of mindfulness, right? Mindfulness is about just noticing what is going on and paying attention to it, you know, with intention and with a, a kindness and an acceptance that is, that is you know, soft and, 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 again, kind and ultimately compassionate. And so... As we cultivate this, as we we work and we we cultivate this sort of understanding, one of the things that arises, and there's lots of things that arise from this, right? Like, and one of them is emotional intelligence, right? That's not the one that I'm talking about just yet. But emotional intelligence, right? The ability to sort of understand our own emotions and the emotions of someone else and using that information to guide our decision-making. Remember I mentioned that in the last segment, right? It's all about making decisions that benefit us, right? And so, so you know, so I can decide that, you know, either you or me is in this emotional state that it's not a, the right time for a conversation right now. So I'm going to decide to go take a walk around the block before I try to enter into this conversation with you. Or if I can even do so, I'll schedule it for tomorrow, right? So hoping that we both get a lot of nice rest tonight and we can come back fresh and, and sort of clean and discuss this thing, right? Emotional unintelligence is not considering any of that, right? Just barreling into it and just dealing with those consequences. And there are often consequences, right? And so, so that in and of itself is a huge, huge benefit to, to us, right? To, to our moment-to-moment experience, right? It, it, it can change so many things, right? And again, those consequences, those are the, those are the things, right? Like, you know, when we, when we experience, again, if, if, I, if I don't exercise emotional intelligence, I just barrel into that conversation, even though you or, or I are not in the place that we're going to have a, a constructive conversation, well, then whatever comes out of that conversa- conversation poses those consequences. And and I can't escape those, right? But then those consequences will usually create more consequences. And that's where life starts to feel like it's just a series of kind of vaguely connected drama, you know, periods of drama in our lives. And we look at it and say, oh my gosh, what a mess, (laughs) right? And again, that really all does come down to emotional intelligence, or or let's put it this way, emotional intelligence could cut out, you know, 75% of that mess, right? It doesn't make your life 
necessarily perfect, but it, it enables you to, to react and, and, and relate to your life in a much different way. And so, so one of the things that comes through that sort of, uh, you know, it's certainly connected to that emotional intelligence, but also just arises from mindfulness in general, right, is a, another extraordinarily important skill, right? And this is true for, you know, everything from young children to, to aging elders, right? And that is critical thinking. Now, I have a... I have a friend. He's really a, uh, the husband of a of a close friend of mine, who um, who is a school teacher. And uh, and at one point, like a few years ago, I was in a conversation with him, and and you know my my kids are homeschooled, right? Because I, I don't want to get too much into the political views about school, but there there's some issues that I have with the way schools kind of warehouse kids and the way you know testing is done and 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 sort of you know the the focus of of the education system I think is not as you know anyway I don't want to get into the politics of it okay cuz I mean you might send your kids to school and you might be very happy with that my experience with school is different let's just leave it at that okay but but one of the things that that my friend said was that school teaches critical thinking. And I almost like spit out the whatever I was drinking. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I think that's the last thing that school does, right? I think school is about teaching kids that you got to accept this information because we're going to test you on it. And if you fail the test, you're a failure, right? And I think that's the furthest thing from critical thinking, right? I think critical thinking comes from the ability to to know that that you know what there's there's many different ways in which things could unfold there's many different ways in which someone could interpret something there's many different ways in which the truth could exist right or to to even better than that <laughs> critical thinking allows us to understand that there is no single truth right that the truth is your truth or my truth and that's where they say that most stories have three sides to them, right? There's your side of the story, there's my side of the story, and in between there is some kind of objective truth, right? Like what actually happened, right? Because the thing is that, that you know, the way that you perceive it is based on what's going on inside of you and how you're relating to that whole thing. And the way I perceive it is based on my own thing like that. And so therefore... You know, if you are, you know, let's say one of us is depressed and the other person is feeling very happy, we're going to have completely different views of, of this truth that we're talking about, right? And yes, there is an agreed upon reality out there, right? Like we, we both saw a red car drive by, right? But did we, we might have seen, like, you might have seen a candy apple red where I saw a cherry red, right? Like, you know, and, and you might have certain associations with that red car, like, you know, maybe for you, um, you know, you got into an accident in a red car when you were a child, and it, and you get this feeling of fear from seeing that red car, whereas me, you know, red car was like my first time with a girl, and, and so I have this beautiful memory about this, Right. You know, so so it's like, you know, that again, the car doesn't change, right? The car is just the car. 
It's, it's my truth about that car differs from your truth about that car. So understanding that, and, and again, in sort of embodying that understanding, that's what leads us to the ability of critical thinking, right? It leads us to say, okay, I believe this thing about this thing, but what if I'm wrong? What if I get more information about this thing that changes my view on it? That is critical thinking. And that is something that arises very naturally through the mindfulness practices, especially the one I just gave you in the last segment. <laughs> so go check that out. All right, everyone, I'm going to cut it short a little bit just by a minute, I think. Actually, no, I think we're over 30 minutes between the two segments. Um, I have my question and answer call with Dr. Dan Siegel in about, I don't know, like 30 minutes or something like that. Uh, 33 minutes, and I am just so excited. So, um, so I'll bid you adieu for now, and um, I wish you well, and uh, and I'll be back again tomorrow to make this big announcement and to start serving up a really beautiful, mushy, you know, dose, daily dose of self compassion, and it's gonna be wonderful, and I'm so excited. All right, everybody, thanks for watching, thanks for listening. I wish you well. Be back soon. Take care.